The Bible Study Podcast, episode 591. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Mark with chapter 2. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We have four different stories here in chapter 2 of Mark, so let's get started. Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and it's my favorite for a number of different things. I want you to picture this story. You have to know that, first of all, we have flat roof houses, and the flat roof house is going to be sticks and wood and then have some sort of wattle or whatever on top of it. And so these four men come carrying what you have to assume is a good friend of theirs. We don't know anything about these four men, except that they come and they bring this paralyzed man. And there's at least four of them. Four of them are carrying this, and it says he came with friends. And they come to the place knowing that Jesus can heal this man or believing that Jesus can heal this man. And they can't get in. They can't get close. They can't even get to the doorway and shout in. And so they go home. (laughs) No, that's not what they do. They go up on the flat roof and they start to dismantle it. And the great thing about this, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I want you to picture that if you are a person who is a guest of honor, you probably get to sit close to Jesus and you're near the front where they're going to be digging this hole, where they're going to be lowering this man through. And so the owner of the house is probably there. He can't get out to go up on the roof and see what's going on. The religious leaders are probably also guests of honor there in the front row in front of Jesus as this whole spectacle is. Dust starts to come down from the ceiling, and pretty soon there's this mat. There's this person being lowered from the ceiling, and you have to say that at some point people start to notice it and look up, and Jesus probably pauses for this scene to happen. But before he pauses, he's probably lost people's attention because this is what's going on. This is this man coming down from the ceiling. And he then looks at the man who the friends have gone through all of this trouble to get here so that he could be healed. And he turns to the man and says, son, your sins are forgiven. And I just love picturing the scene on the roof of the four friends who are looking at each other as they're listening down through the hole going, 
what did he say? <laughs> and do they shout down and say, Jesus, no, that's not the point. We brought him here so you could heal him. We don't know. What did the owner think? We don't know. Do they fix the hole later on? We don't know. But we do know what the Pharisees, what the teachers of the law sitting in the front row here are thinking. Jesus knows what they're thinking. And what they're thinking is, how can you say you're forgiving sins? God and God alone can do that. And they're right. But what they don't know is this this teacher is more than just a teacher. This rabbi is more than just a rabbi. And so he turns to them and says, why are you thinking this? Well, first of all, there's the first clue. Now, it may be written all over their faces, but he says, why do you think this? And then, is it easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or take up your mat and walk? Well, both are easy to say, but it's hard to look at someone and know that their sins were forgiven. It's very easy to tell when someone who is paralyzed gets up and walks. And so that's what he means, which is easier to say. So he says, so you know I have permission, so you know I have authority to do one, I'm going to do the other. And so now the man is healed. Now the friends on the roof are happy. And this man gets up and walks out. But before he did, his sins were forgiven. Now, two things about that. One is, remember that in this time frame, and we get this in the Gospels where Peter asks sometime when he sees a man born blind, is it this man's sin or his parents that causes him to be born blind? The understanding is that if you're paralyzed, if you're blind or something, it is probably a result of sin. So anybody who looks at this man doesn't just see him paralyzed, but sees him as a sinner. So as he heals this man, man he also restores him by forgiving his sins. But also it tells us that God does the important thing first. Jesus does the important thing first. That to God, the sins of this man are more important than his legs. His standing with God is more important and has more long-term ramification on him than can he walk. And so Jesus does these things in the right order. And that's hard for us to look at sometimes, especially if we're on the roof looking down. You want friends like this, by the way, and you want to be friends like this. Continues, Jesus calls Levi and eats with sinners. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, Again, we need to remind you that one of the reasons why being a tax collector and a sinner were considered synonymous, or at least related, was that tax collectors bought the right to farm taxes from the Romans. And so they're basically working for the occupying army, and they 
can collect as much taxes as they can collect. It's not as simple as the IRS where there's forms and there are tables and all these sorts of things. And so they are quite often collecting more taxes than they need to or they should. And that is part of why you buy the privilege of collecting taxes. It's a way to make money. But you're considered a quisling. You're considered a traitor to your family, to your country. And so the only people who will hang out with you are other tax collectors and other people whose reputation in town is that they are sinners for whatever reason. And Jesus is eating with them. The religious leaders are concerned that if I hang out with people who are less religious than me, won't I get contaminated? And Jesus' is thinking is, if I as a righteous person hang out with those who are less righteous, won't they get contaminated? Won't the righteousness rub off on them? Aren't they the ones who need Jesus the most? And since I'm one of those sinners, I'm glad for this verse. Jesus continues, Jesus questioned about fasting. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, otherwise the new piece will pull away from the old, making it making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. This would seem to be two different thoughts. One of the questions is, why don't your disciples fast? And Jesus says, they will, but right now is a time for celebration. And Jesus uses this term the first time in the Gospel of Mark about himself as the bridegroom. He's already used the term in the last story as him as the son of man. And those are terms that will come up again. But he is the bridegroom, and eventually the church will be the bride. The people of God will be the bride. We haven't gotten there yet. But and then in the answer to why, he then goes on and talks about how-to suggestions for fixing wineskins and old cloths. He's not just trying to start a first-century version of helpful hints that you'd find on YouTube these days. What he's doing is he's talking about there is something new happening here, and you're trying to make it fit with things that are old. But this is something new. And so it isn't necessarily going to fit in the way that you think. And the challenge for us is that God is always doing something new. That doesn't mean there aren't traditions. That doesn't mean there aren't things that we have always done it this way. But God is always in the process of making people new, making hearts new. And it's a challenge to us that sometimes we're going to try and fit things in old ways when it's inappropriate. And then finally, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, 
the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And so they're eating on the Sabbath. They're going through the wheat fields and they're threshing. This would be called under the rabbinical law when you take some of the grain, you put it in your hands and you rub it together. They would be concerned that that is breaking the Sabbath. Now, we have just skipped over about 500 years as we moved from the Old Testament and jumped into Mark here. And some things have changed before we got here. We had not done the story of the coming back from exile. We left people in exile a couple weeks ago. But they're going to come back, and one of the things that's going to happen is, between that period and now, is the Pharisees are going to come into existence. And one of the reasons the Pharisees come into existence is, remember how bad in the Old Testament people were at following the law. Basic laws like, have no other gods. But also they were bad at following all the laws. And so they've just come out of exile, and they really don't want to go back again. And so there is this, I want to say, reformation of the beliefs and a real seriousness. And the Pharisees are some of these people who take these beliefs seriously in a good way, generally, at least at the time they get started. But they have got to the point where they're trying to draw this safety line that we don't know what it means to remember the Sabbath. There's not enough details there. And we want to make sure we don't forget the Sabbath. We want to make sure we don't break the law again because that got us into trouble. And so they go the opposite direction. They say, well, how much is, what becomes work on the Sabbath? We know we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, so we know you're not supposed to go out and thresh grain. Is putting grain in your hand and rubbing it together threshing? Is spitting on the ground and rubbing your foot into the ground, is that irrigating? And it becomes, yes, in the Talmud, in some of the understanding of the Pharisees along the way, that you shouldn't carry any more than the weight of two dried figs and all sorts of these rules. And Jesus is going to collide with them. And Jesus is already here in the second chapter of Mark colliding with the Pharisees who are trying to put old wine into new wineskins. They're trying to do things old. And they're they're doing things, I, I want to give them credit of trying to do things for the right reasons, of trying to make sure that they don't break the law, but they're making it more difficult than it needs to be. He's pointing out the time when David ate the consecrated bread, which is not generally lawful, but they were hungry and that there were more important things. And that the Sabbath is made for man. The reason why God said work for six days and rest on the seventh is we need rest. That that's why he did it. That the Sabbath was made for us. That it's not just set up as a rule. It's not just set up as a law. It is intended to be good for us. And you're making it complicated. And guess what? This is the same person who is Lord of the Sabbath. This is the same person who can forgive sins. This is someone who gets to decide. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have a question, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening.
Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, You can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.